Welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash Alumni. Cash Alumni is the fastest growing association of professionals in care, health and education. And we're happy to have you here. This is where you'll hear from specialists and experts from across our network. Here's what's coming up. You know, I found that that I actually felt quite kind of lonely and, you know, I, I found that routine almost disguised the fact that, you know, maybe I did have some kind of mental health issues or I did have some thought processes which I'd never really dwelled upon. Let's jump in to this week's episode. My name's Chawad Fatty. I'm sort of born and bred Blackburn. If you're my mother, then my name is Jawad. <laughs> so that's the correct pronunciation. However, all my life I've just been called Jawad because that's how you kind of spell my name. Yeah, I, I kind of grew up in kind of Blackburn. It's kind of a working class area. And, you know, it, it, I kind of saw through an early age, um, you know, a lot of deprivation and, you know, social problems. So, you know, I didn't grow up necessarily with, with a silver spoon. However, you know, I was... Uh, brought up by my mother and um, you know she kind of instilled in us some some really good strong kind of values you know she was a migrant she came across from from Pakistan but she was educated so she managed to kind of land a job in in kind of education teaching you know from what I recollect from a very early age you know she was doing kind of three shifts so she was working primary school and then she was doing um, you know adult classes um, teaching South Asian women sort of English in, in college and you know, after that, she was doing a lot of voluntary work as well with with our community. Again, to try and empower, you know, South Asian women to to kind of go out there and um, you know get educated, get jobs. Um, you know, don't be dependent on anyone. She was a very strong ethos in, in terms of you know grafting, working, and I guess that rubbed off on me a bit. You know, although I was quite interested in gaming and programming and very geeky stuff, and also football and watching TV. You know, at the same time, she said, look, as a bare minimum, you've got to put her, you know, her expectation was, look, get an education. And then after that, hopefully you've got something which, um, you know, you can fall back on if you don't succeed in what you want to do. So, again, you know, went through sort of the education system and, um, you know, really focused on, on kind of IT and data more specifically. So I've always been, you know, fascinated in bringing this sounds really nerdy, but bringing loads and loads of, you know, if you can imagine a massive Excel spreadsheet, but and you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of rows, it's really how do I kind of translate that into maybe five or six bullet points that a stakeholder can understand really quickly. And, you know, data analysis um, is something that I've then kind of focused on for 20 plus years of my life and, you know, ho- help, hopefully helping organizations, you know, um, improve and, uh, you know, better the customer experience, better the customer service. That's kind of what I've done kind of professionally. I, I'm sort of th- that. And then I guess where I'm potentially going to link it to, to kind of what I'm doing now is, you know, so I did that up until kind of 2000. And then obviously we got hit by the pandemic. I guess what the pandemic did for me, aside from you know, us being locked up and you know not being able to do X, Y, and Z, was I went through a, a period of self-discovery, and you know I kind of realised that although you know I did have family, friends still kind of accessible over the phone, over a video call, 
you know, I found that that I actually felt quite kind of lonely and, you know, I, I found that routine almost disguised the fact that, you know, maybe I did have some kind of mental health issues or I did have some thought processes which I'd never really dwelled upon because you, you get so busy, you know, work, exercise or, or eating or socialising, um, you do tend to kind of forget about yourself you know, went through a period of, of kind of self-discovery over the, the course of, of, call it lockdown, and kind of realised that, look, you know, I didn't feel okay at certain times. And, you know, I've always been a little bit kind of sensitive since childhood, but I guess it was kind of um, amplified a bit as I realised that, look, you know, routine can't disguise the fact that, you know, at certain times I do feel very low, I do feel very lonely, I do feel depressed. And, you know, being a man and also from a South Asian background, you kind of, you know, taboo times X amount, you know, you you don't talk about these things. You know, I remember kind of high school, and and this is kind of going back to the kind of 80s and and early 90s, where if you did display any sense of kind of sensitivity, there was a lot of homophobia uh, around and, you know, that you would get kind of abused, you know, in a homophobic fashion if you displayed any kind of sensitivity. So, you know, it's kind of all locked in and it's all, you know, pent up and then um so you know for me that was kind of a crucial period where i thought hang on a sec i don't feel okay is there anyone else who doesn't feel okay so then i i kind of um you know created what what i you know would, would do anyway is, is kind of some kind of a research process some kind of a poll or in my case i created a facebook group uh, and i'm not promoting facebook at all you know I, I thought the easiest thing to do was kind of, i'll create a little group called mental health chat and just see how it goes so then obviously my kind of network latched upon it and then other people joined and over the course of a couple of years you know it's gone from zero to just over 400 people have actually joined and you know people start sharing things and um obviously i'm going to keep it confidential but it kind of for me that was a little bit of validation i'm going to say you know mental health is a big problem and at the time i'll be honest you know i I think definitely the pandemic and and the, the coronavirus has amplified the kind of thinking around mental health so in a very kind of weird way it's been good in that sense because a lot more people have actually come forward including myself so you know, I, I did this kind of mini validation and I thought, right, I might be onto something here where we might need to do something. Um, and I didn't know what that was. So lockdown ended, went back to work. And then I guess I took this little kind of journey with me to, to the workplace. And I thought, you know, outside of work, OK, you know, and sorry, as part of that process, I actually reached out and joined many different kind of self-help groups like Andy's Man Club talk ourselves well this is kind of in my kind of locality and i've got nothing but praise for these organizations the only and this is kind of really constructive the only constructive thing that i thought was sometimes accessibility and being able to get to a certain location at a certain time but other than that they are fantastic and i highly recommend them to any kind of middle-aged man who who has got some mental health problems so yeah went back to the workplace and again started kind of asking people my peers my colleagues HR personnel, management, um, you know, what do we do about mental health in the workplace? So, you know, because when we, when you go back to kind of, well, when you go from remote to to kind of back in the office or the workplace or even hybrid, you kind of start realising that, hang on a sec, I actually spend the majority of my time 
in work or, or even when you're remote, you know, let, let's be really simple and say nine to five, you know, nine to five, you are kind of locked into your job, for example. And, you know, aside from being, you know, a little bit of flexibility of doing a school run here and there, essentially you are locked in, you know, nine to five. So the majority of your time you are working um, and dealing with colleagues. So what is actually being done? So went through almost a, a big list of, right, you know, these are, all the kind of employee assistance programs and and free therapy for for staff members some fantastic you know applications some fantastic therapists and again you know it's literally here's an app or here's a, a link or here's a phone number to the employee fill your boots you know do do you know if you're feeling down just ring this number and, and this is going to sound really potentially really bad but i mean it in a nice way I kind of deemed that to be a little bit of a kind of signposting uh, and the organization kind of washing the hands of that employee. So although that employee is a part and parcel of your organization, they're a critical part in the in, in, in generating the revenue, be that through fantastic customer service or actually being on the sales line or, you know, um, being in IT, supporting the infrastructure. Um, that employee is actually giving the heart and soul to that organization. And for me, I, I, I just felt that just giving someone a number and expecting them to just run with it and not really following it up was kind of inadequate, in, in my opinion. It can be hard, can't it? So like if someone's already made the leap to tell someone that they're struggling or to ask for help, to then have to go and do that again can be difficult. A hundred percent. When I went back to the workplace, you could say for about 12 months, I was kind of just being very you know, nosy, asking a lot of questions, asking a lot of people. And the consensus was that, like you said, we've, we've plucked up the courage to do this and we've been kind of semi-dismissed. And I don't mean that, again, in a bad way. The individual who has referred them has got the best intention to mind. And what they've probably been advised with is, look, we've invested thousands of pounds in this kind of employee assistance platform. We have to utilize it. And so the, the, the kind of helper is saying, look, can you give this a try? What, having spoken to people, is what, what tends to happen is that initial kind of leap of faith hasn't been kind of repaid so that confidence level diminishes and more often than not that person will not use that platform unfortunately because the cry for help hasn't been heard of those who kind of then actually go and use these platforms again what i've heard is you know we spoke to the therapist spoke to them for about 15 20 minutes they were you know fantastic at listening but then they said look we're not that type of therapist you need to go back into the application look for this tag or search for this type of you know specific mental health problem and again it's like i've just cried at my kind of emotions and my feelings here to do that again is really going to be difficult and again so you see a lot more kind of drop off and and then so that's from the kind of employee perspective from an employer perspective or an organizational hr health and well-being however you want to put it what they say is what we, we don't actually know the impact of what these platforms are are giving our employees so we've been given a remit that look this is what we invested in the fantastic tools you know they're getting five star ratings on apple store and and google store um so they should be good tools but we've got absolutely no kind of feedback loop in terms of are we seeing a demonstrable 
improvement in, in kind of mental health and behavior and mood uh, within our workplace. Um, the statistics based upon absenteeism, um, you know, and, you know, people leaving the organization, they're still skyrocketing. We, we, we don't see that diminishing in any way. So it's difficult for us to really grasp, are we, and, and this is kind of even looking at it from a commercial perspective, are we seeing any value in this in this kind of platform, in this tool? You know, that's where I've kind of almost said, right, I'll put my kind of data hat on. I'll put my kind of life living experience um, and and all this kind of research and speaking to people and I'll kind of devise something which may or may, may not be um, useful. What I did was I kind of took a bit of a leap of faith, kind of left my you know day job, call it, and decided to go all in and see if I could almost come up with some kind of a tool where within a workplace, within an organization, employees could potentially have some form of therapy, but also the organization could pull out some fantastic insights in terms of you know the mental health or behavior of their employees within the workplace, coupled with tangible steps to try and maybe improve the, the kind of health and well-being within the workplace. So I kind of set about working with Blackburn College, who are my kind of local college, working with staff members there, and also some, some of the older students around you know, what would potentially be a really easy, easy to use tool. The thing we kind of came uh, thought about was people still do journaling. People still kind of uh, log how they're feeling. You go to any kind of stationery store, and there's a dedicated section on you know journaling books diaries you know however you want to kind of term them um so it's it and it and it is a proven form of kind of self-help therapy as well you know i thought this is this is kind of something we can potentially start with so you know we we set about uh, a little bit of a trial with kind of members of, of the college and then i kind of analyzed um so sorry within that as well there were a couple of surveys as well, which are you know um, readily available um, to, to kind of use from the NHS. You know, from that, I kind of from that trial, I analysed the mood, the behaviour, the, the kind of health and well-being, the burnout risk, and came back with some startling statistics to the organisation. And you know, the HR team there were, were kind of thinking, you know, this this is quite you know, interesting uh, and something we definitely would not have had visibility through any other kind of platform that's currently out there. So then I thought, right, okay, that's my little bit of further validation. So, you know, from that point, I set about, right, you know, improving the, the, the kind of journaling experience. So there's now currently a kind of journaling app out there called Spark, and that's kind of free to download for any any person because what I didn't want to do was to kind of... Um, I guess, make the barrier of entry for someone who is potentially suffering and needs a free-to-use tool to have that barrier. So it's a kind of free-to-use um, journaling app that's readily available at the moment. We went live a few weeks ago, so uh, people can install, um, you know, it's got a journaling facility. You can log and schedule habits. So, you know, you, you might want to set yourself a reminder to go for a walk because, they, you know, things like that do actually help us uh, with our mental health, you know, whether it's going to the gym, and things like that and there's also kind of motivational quotes so it's it's kind of a simplistic application that's free to use but hopefully effective and then what i've since been doing as well is working with organizations to see to, to get their users to kind of use that app um, and then present back 
some of these statistics and insights you know again it's it's kind of where you can actually see you know does the the kind of mood improve you know what what how does it fluctuate in the month so you know maybe at the at the month end if you're particularly if you're a part of kind of the finance department for example you'll be dealing with a lot of invoices and you know it can get quite stressful if you're customer service and you're leading up to kind of seasonality, you know you could get um, you know fluctuations in in um, in kind of mood and behaviour, and then at the same time, based upon the the kind of habits that people have logged, we can actually measure tangible improvement in in kind of mood after someone, for example, has gone for a walk, and because you're looking at data and, and just to kind of highlight it is completely anonymized. No one um, at either end knows who is looking at whose data because it's all aggregated and at no stage does, does it actually say we've got one user who looks like this it's completely anonymized within the app as well you it actually says you know create a nickname um so you know none of your data is is ever kind of publicized presenting those stats back to the organization where they can actually see a bit like a, a, a kind of story where you know we've currently got 30 percent kind of you know call it a, a mood score and you know with the best being 100 percent and you know why are we currently at 30 percent that's because you know we've got 20 percent of people sorry we've got a 20 percent happiness score we've got a 30 percent vitality score <clears throat> and then you know burnout is probably about 70 percent here are some of the kind of trigger words and themes based upon what is driving these scores. So it could be working long hours. You know, we've got, um, we're being asked to come into the office. We want hybrid. So it's kind of, you know, presenting the, the, the why things are happening and also then, um, you know, how you can potentially alleviate or improve. So, you know, going at the, the kind of habits and how, you know, they do improve the mental health. And it, and it gives you a percentage that, look, if you introduce, say, you know, walking Wednesdays in your organisation, you should see a 10% improvement in mood because people, you know, who have kind of used this app are saying this. So it presents back a very kind of tangible, data-led, um, insight-driven solution to the organisation where the employee feels that they're a part of that organisation because the organisation is actually taking tangible steps based upon the data that is being driven by the user. So, you know, the strap line for, for Spark is, you know, honesty is the, is the key to Spark change. And, you know, it's driven by the kind of grassroots, the user. And, you know, in effect, the organization is then, you know, enabled to kind of make improvements, you know, continuously. So it's, it's kind of never ending, really. And, you know, hopefully it will kind of lead to organizations using um, the scoring for as a badge of honor. So, you know, we want all our organizations in the UK to be really kind of invested in their staff members. And, you know, we want them to improve the retention, to improve the recruitment of people, to, you know, improve productivity and reduce presenteeism and, you know, people uh, being absent for kind of mental health related reasons. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the key things is organizations having hopefully this, these kind of levels of insights can make the employee feel that look we are absolutely invested in you and we are taking these tangible steps and these are the improvements we're seeing why spark what where did the name come from i guess it goes back to the kind of pandemic what was the spark that made me think about my mental health what what was that kind of you know trigger trigger itself is, is a bad word i guess within mental health so 
and, and for various reasons, you know, it's a bad word. But Spark for me was kind of, and you know, it has got connotations. Every word's got you know other connotations. But for me, Spark was look, you know, what's that kind of spark? What's that you know motivation? What's that little driver that that can make us start thinking about our mental health? And it's that I guess yeah, it's that spark to to hopefully look, can we actually do something and. Yes, we can because through Spark we can hopefully drive drive change. So it's it's that thought process, that that little click, for us all to just take a moment out and, and think about mental health. That's great. Um, and the idea of it being a journal is actually like particularly fascinating to me. I actually bought a journal at the weekend um, because I realised that I do a lot of talking and communicating and sort of sharing about how I feel, and I have a bit of a, a personal mantra that. I want to be as human as possible. So I never answer the question, how are you, with a stock like, oh, I'm good, thanks, how are you? Like, I'm always fairly honest. And although people don't always actually want the honest response when they ask how you are, I feel like it's really important to be more human, especially when we're all very separate from each other now and everything's behind that wall of like social media squares and all of that sort of fakeness where everybody's trying to build a personal brand and all of those sorts of things that so I'm really good at sharing which means that I'm really good at talking about my mental health and about the things I struggle with and asking for help. This is Podcash brought to you by Cash Alumni. If you're enjoying this conversation please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. There's a lot of stuff that sharing doesn't necessarily help with. And I'd stumbled across a post on social media by an organisation called Move and Mind UK. And they were talking about how people who are struggling with maybe making the right choices around their diet or around like doing some exercise or who are struggling to like build good habits can find that if the journal that it can help them to get through that because there's something very specific about journaling that can help you to I suppose get more insights about yourself that you wouldn't necessarily get through that chat that you might get through talking to somebody else was that something that you found in terms of research and that stuff around your journal you know I've spoken to a lot of therapists as well and um you know, psychologists, um, and obviously you can get almost lost in, in that science alone. You know, it's a vast field. But coming back to just the, the kind of journaling element, one of the things that, um, and coming back to your point of being kind of raw and coming back to the kind of spark mantra of honesty, um, you know, one of the things that um, in discussing with these therapists, you know, I kind of established was, look, we owe it to ourselves to kind of be genuine, be raw. You know, there's nothing wrong with if we wake up on a on a Monday morning and we're not feeling good and we, we can't really put a finger on why that is. And there's nothing wrong with uh, a, a middle-aged man like myself logging in my journal you know, I woke up this morning, I had a fantastic weekend, I did this, did that, but I just woke up this morning, I don't know whether it's kind of the Monday blues, but I'm feeling down. So firstly, 100% um, in terms of agreeing with what you say and, and moving away from almost this kind of artificial filter that we put on social media where everything is hunky-dory when really it isn't. So we we, we do owe it to ourselves and, and we do need to do a lot more self-care and um you know just just kind of 
inward looking at kind of how do we generally feel um so there's kind of that element and then coupled with other kind of discussions where one of the things that, that some therapists have said is look you know once you've logged it and you could almost kind of scroll back and see two months ago i was feeling like this or you know where, where you kind of can reflect and you know this is your kind of journal this is this is you in in essence and your historical record of, of kind of how you're feeling so one of the things that's kind of built into to spark is again you know in, in complete privacy um where you can actually look back and hopefully you know you will also kind of potentially log where you know and i've went for a walk and i feel really good or i've done this so again you know for you and and one of the things sorry i want to put my hand up and, and say look what we're looking at spark is probably so so let's say this there's you know when you hit crisis point you absolutely have to get medication you absolutely have to speak to someone clinical even and get treatment so spark is absolutely not replacing that what spark is doing is it's this kind of iceberg effect of let's say there's 80 percent 90 percent of people who don't actually know they've got a mental health problem and they haven't quite hit crisis point but we want to really get get to these people before they hit crisis point and for the organization to put some steps in for the app to, to provide some suggestions where we can hopefully help those people before they hit crisis point so you know within spark there you know i'm not absolutely saying it's the the kind of solution to everything and there is definitely a need and a place for clinical treatment as well and you know i would i would urge people that you know if you do hit a certain level please do do ensure that um you know, you do reach out to necessary people um for that if you think back in history like everyone used to keep a diary didn't they like before the internet existed and before we had like technology everyone kept a diary so that that could work through those things like almost like writing a letter to yourself and I can totally see how that would make a difference. The other thing that really interested us was the idea of like that reflection piece and looking back because I suppose it's not just about looking back and saying look how far I've come I used to feel worse than this but also I remember when I did my mental health first aid training um, that sometimes it's helpful to be able to look back and say things have been better before so I know things can be better again. Light at the hundred percent. That's really good. Yeah, and, and so just to add to that, I, I've you know again personal experience. I've been I've been in dark places where all I see is anguish, all I see is <clears throat> you know darkness, and and I can't see any light. And and you've hit the the nail on the head that were no, hang on a sec. There is always light there. Um, you know, and and sometimes it's it's that struggle or, or challenge to get to that light, but it does exist and. By looking back and reflecting, you, you you can see it, and that's the beauty of journaling. Yeah, one of the things, I only started my journal yesterday because it arrived on Saturday. One of the things that I was quite careful about when I went shopping for my journal was making sure that it was a guided journal, because the idea of a blank page terrified us, because what, what do you write in a journal? Like, again, like, as everybody used to keep a diary, but we've fallen out of that habit I suppose were only write things that we're going to share now so I knew I wouldn't be any good with a notebook that I was going to use as a journal it had to have prompts to let us figure out what to think about is that something that happens in Spark are there are there prompts are there things that spark ideas for people to be able to write in their journal 
Yeah, so so within within Spark, it kind of there's a little bit of guidance in terms of you, you almost determine. Firstly, you would determine what how do you feel, and it's kind of the the, the kind of um, smiley to, to kind of sad faces, and um, from there you can actually then log, um, you know, what's the kind of nature of how you're feeling, and really that's where you're then potentially guided a little bit in terms of, you know, I'm I'm feeling positive, for example, and you know, okay, what you know, what you're feeling positive about, type of thing. So, I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not you know uh, the, the the kind of final position because we've been live and and you know what I want to do is to be kind of user driven and like you've said, um, do we need more prompts? Do we need more reminders? I think with an app, the only problem with kind of prompts and reminders is is does it get too invasive and you want it to be um, a smooth experience. So 100%, I think, you know, uh, and at no stage am I even saying that traditional diary journaling is going to be kind of put on the shelf and never used again. Um, you know, I firmly believe you can use um, Spark and even a, a traditional journal because with Spark, what you've got is you can create habits as well. So even if you just wanted to use Spark, to kind of log right i'm feeling this way i'm going to kind of schedule a habit and then it's if you're into chart there's a line graph of you know again there's a historical journaling but there's a line graph as well of how your mood um, has potentially fluctuated so a bit like the organization view where holistically they can see the organization you know this is how the mood, mood kind of um, fluctuates over the course of the month you've got your personalized version as well where you can see, you know, where there's been ups and downs, and then you can go back to your kind of journal, I guess, within the app, or even your your hard journal, and look back at like, okay, this is why I was kind of feeling this way. So, what Spark enables you to do is it kind of improves the digital experience, I guess. It harnesses what you can do um, through digital, and it complements. You know, I'm not in competition with anyone. I'll be honest with you. I believe this is kind of a unique proposition for you know for the organization as well as the workplace um but in terms of if you were to use spark as a as a personal tool understand you can use it as a complementary to if you're having clinical treatment if you're you know using a a, a, a physical journal if you if your therapy is kind of you know socializing speaking with people honestly you can you can still use spark um whenever as ever you want to do it's purely a complementary tool for, for you to use as and when you want when you first started talking about your background in data and that sort of data analytics and, and thinking about that stuff there will be people in our audience who thought well, what's this got to do with me because obviously you yourself are a member of cash alumni and you know the, the service is set up to support people who work in care health early years and education it's really fascinating thinking about your entry into this sector and like how you became involved in like sort of care relevant work because traditionally you would not be our audience as a data analytics person tell us about leaving your job to pursue this that sounds terrifying and honestly what i want to say is reiterating the point that spark is not a replacement for um you know seeing a therapist seeing um your doctor your gp those individuals um and those teams are doing a fantastic service with the the, the kind of resources that they have unfortunately um 
So this is absolutely not kind of replacing or suggesting this is a better alternative to that. What what we're trying to do at Spark is literally that spark. <laughs> you know, you, you're feeling down, I'm feeling down, but we don't know why. Can Spark help us to kind of understand ourselves a bit better in that process, help the organisation improve everyone's health and well-being better? So that that's kind of, yeah, I just wanted to kind of add that, but just, just in terms of kind of my journey. So, yeah, going back to... Um, kind of you know, traditional kind of data corporate absolutely not connected with anyone in, in kind of health you know education um but for me it you know I, it was something where i had a couple of kind of incidents call it from a sort of personal experience which i think two months later i, I kind of you know, left corporate so one of the, the, the kind of experiences was where I reported in the workplace bullying. I reported it. I escalated it. Nothing was done about it. It was kind of um, very done the carpet. That for me was, you know, hang on a sec. You know, this potentially is, is something critical, something I feel passionate about. And, you know, nothing's been done. You know, that, that was one kind of aspect. And secondly, it was my kind of personal journey as well of, you know, it wasn't until I actually moved away from the workplace albeit kind of remotely, albeit due to lockdown, that I started my own mental health journey. So there were a couple of factors which kind of said to me, look, there's definitely something missing in the workplace. There's definitely, you know, if you even if you look at it from um, a kind of commercial perspective, <clears throat> you know, identified, look, there's a, there's a niche here. Currently, you know, going back to my point about um, employee assistance programs and existing support, it's e- it tends to be driven by professionals who are, you know, professionals in the healthcare industry. They are doing a fantastic job, like I said. However, in terms of then providing some insights and data analysis back to the organization, because for me, the missing link is the organization getting some data back where, okay, we are doing something with the employees. We know we're doing something, but are we actually effecting change and improvement? That's the same even when an organization has something like mental health first aid as so i'm really lucky to work for an organization who are actually quite good at this stuff in that there is lots of support there are mental health first aiders there is actionable help so from the minute you say i am having a problem there's someone there's, there's a group of people who can help you to, to work your way through that and there isn't that handoff although there are less hands-on things you can so we do have an employee assistance program and we do have all of those other things if people are more comfortable going down that route but the same challenge exists in the that's all confidential and because it's very human there's not necessarily a way to report that stuff back in a way that anonymizes it or makes it less personal to that person who's been pouring their heart out absolutely and you know uh, to, to kind of double down on what you said I, i've done mental health first aid training as well um i think it's fantastic and i would encourage obviously it's kind of budget driven but every now and again you can i think mind another kind of organization who offer free free places so if and when you can utilize um you know I, I would highly encourage but yeah absolutely coming back to your point there's a couple of things just on the mental health first aid there's like you said the minute the mental health first aider pulls out a pen and starts writing something i'm going to stop talking to them because i'm thinking i'm gone i'm potentially talking about i'm being bullied or you know something's happening and it's a, it's depressing me at work and i'm thinking well hang on are they going to share this with such and such or how's this gonna so the, that's where 
I the whole intention behind Spark is look, we are a third party. We are not affiliated with that organization. You as the employee are our main kind of focus and that's why it's free. If even if you weren't a part of, you know, whoever, cash, whoever, um, Spark, you would still be able to use this. So it's it's for you it's always free but so firstly you know it's this kind of logging like you said the 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 kind of data entry piece and then you know secondly just on the the kind of mental health first aid is again at times some people assume and this is kind of again speaking to some other kind of mental health first aiders that the mental health first aider is the solution so a bit like if you get a cut, you go to your first aider and they'll apply a plaster and they'll log it down. So you've got your solution there. Or if it's kind of really severe, obviously they'll call an ambulance. I think the assumption is, look, I've got a mental health first problem. I'll go to the first aider. Uh, I'll spill, you know, my, my emotions. They'll spill my, you know, everything about what's go- what I'm going through. But then, essentially, what that first aider has to do is to almost analyse, you know, the severity and then they will also unfortunately have to then signpost you on depending on how you know whether you're at crisis point so that's where some individuals said look you know we have done this but then we've been told look, we've got to do this and it's what i want spot to be is a, a portal for the first aiders as well to have access to so that they can see right within the customer service team so you can differentiate. One of the things that the organisation can do is they can differentiate mental health between functions, between remote and off in the workplace people. And hopefully that can then tailor a programme for the these first aiders who are you know doing an exceptional job <clears throat> to do some proactive work as well, to do some outreach. So it's a very reactionary position they're in where you know they almost they're kind of looking around, they're identifying someone, you know, Sandra or, or you know Imran, they, were, they used to kind of be a part of that group, and now you know in the canteen they sat by themselves. I'll go over and I'll I'll kind of sit down with them. But you're kind of reacting based upon the behaviour. Hopefully, what Spark and the Insights enables that organisation to do is to share that with the first aiders, and hopefully, um, you know they are invested in the, the first aid program and they have got a tailored individual for the warehouse team they have got someone dedicated for the the kind of office team and you know you can then differentiate and see well hang on a sec you know there's always a dip in in kind of in mental health around the mid of the month every month you know without kind of exception and what we do know is and i keep coming back to the point of like walking you know walking demonstrably improves kind of mental health by 20 you know the mood by 25 percent mid-month the the mental health first aiders can say look we're going to introduce walking Wednesdays. You know, everyone just down to no no cost to to the employee. You get an extra twenty twenty five minutes um, on your lunch break, and let's all just go out and, and go for a walk. And the beauty of that data is, um, it's time stamped, so that this time next month, you should see an uplift. And if you don't, you can go back to your kind of uplift percentages and what works and what doesn't, and you can then work on the next kind of low hanging fruit. So. For me, you know, I'm passionate about data, I'm passionate about mental health. That's kind of, that spark in a nutshell. What resonated with me was you were talking about, as a working class man, that it can be really difficult to talk about mental health. And I don't know whether you you can tell from my accent, but I am also a very working class person. And knowing lots of blogs who have, have struggled, um, lots of them cope by going out and drinking, or like that's 
how working class men socialise a lot of the time. This sounds like a tool that is really helpful or could be really helpful for people who maybe have some bad habits that they want to leave behind. Um, whether that, like me, is sweets and food that isn't necessarily the best food for us or stuff that is maybe like traditionally seen as more difficult to give up on or maybe a little bit worse for you than the odd chocolate bar. Like how does that sort of thing play into the development of something like this? I know for example if you get to the point where you're in crisis that it can be difficult to find help if you've got other things going on because again that signposting between services um, can mean that you don't have a natural home for those sorts of help. I suppose how do you encourage people to to get involved with something like this before they really need it? That, that's a really good question. So I think, you know, from c- c- coming from this kind of working class South Asian male from an early age, you know, you, you have to work through your, your problems. You, you know, you, you can't kind of, you know, if you've got a mental health problem, um, just brush it off kind of thing because um, you're a man, you're here to, to kind of earn, you're here to be the breadwinner, toxic masculinity on a, on a massive scale. It's absolutely, um, you know, essential that, that kind of men do and, and everyone kind of do, does kind of do this. However, also as kind of part of my journey, you know, I have been, um, you know, sat with, with other men you know, having a drink um, in the sauna. Um, and do you know what? We, we do talk about certain things which you wouldn't in a in a kind of normal kind of setting. And it's it's this kind of time and place thing. And, and bizarrely, and this is probably different to, to women, I think men probably feel more comfortable speaking to strangers about their problems than they would with their friends because with the friends, you have to almost have this toxic masculinity coming back to that point. And this is where, if you sadly read about the horrific state, um, um, you know, statements of some of the some of the men who have lost friends, you know, have committed suicide. You know, there was no sign we were having a laugh the other day. We were doing this, and you know, it, it completely shocked me that that kind of such and such took this step. So, within Spark, what I've also kind of looked to do is there's a community section. So you're completely anonymous. You can journal, you can log whatever you want, your habits, whatever you want to read from a motivational court perspective. You can save that. All of that is archived and no one's got access to that. However, every now and again, you might think, right, I'm going to create a post and I want to make it public. And then other people can actually comment on that post. And everything's kind of moderated. So you can report a post that's gone public. You can report a comment that's gone public. For me, the inter- one of the things that I wanted to do was to see who would kind of use that more. And my hypothesis was it would be uh, males. And lo and behold, a lot more men have actually utilised the public community forum, call it for simplicity, section of, of Spark. It's called Spark Wall. And, you know, every now and again, you'll see a comment as well that, you know, you've got this or, and, and th- this is where kind of, um, it could be like going back to our um, kind of, uh, you know, Stone Age prehistoric roots of, you know, brotherhood and, and kind of community. And I'm sure there's, you know, it's, there's an equivalent sisterhood, but, but the sisterhood is a lot more enhanced, a lot more developed. We're still definitely in the cavemen state, sadly. Um, but, one of the things that I've kind of observed, again, this is data, is, you know, this is definitely being utilised a lot more. So 
um, it's early days because you know we've only been live for, for for a few weeks, but that's one of the things that I'm 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 looking at at the moment with a lot of interest, and you know maybe that could be enhanced into tribes or you know again looking at groupings and certain types of communities. For me, that could be an evolving thing, but for now, that's something that's very interesting and hopefully um, you know sits quite closely, particularly with with men who who would feel a bit reluctant to, to kind of share um, or speak out about the problems. What I'd say is, look, if you are, if anyone is going through any kind of mental health episode, um, you know, please do reach out. Please, uh, when I say reach out, put, you know, there are um, loads of fantastic organisations, charities, you know, your GP, other kind of self-help groups like Andy's Mind Club, um, you know, Talk Ourselves Well in, in Darwin, if you're in my kind of locality, please, please, please don't feel like, you know, you're alone or there's no one out there. There is always someone out there to help and, you know, you've, you've just got to um, take that step and you've just got to have that spark. Coming back to, to spark, what I would encourage is if you aren't kind of at crisis point, um, please have a play around, please feedback constructively how it can be improved because I want that to be a fantastic user experience. I want it to be a free user experience and then at the same time for organisations who, who might be listening to this and by organisations, you know, I mean kind of, you know, it could be the NHS, it could be education establishments and, you know, we, we know there's a lot of pressure on staff members in, in these establishments as well. It's not just the private sector, the public sector has been hammered as well. Um, you know, costs are, 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 you know, sorry, budgets are being kind of reduced. There's a lot of pressure on fantastic members of staff and sadly they're having to strike um, just to get the basic human rights and, you know, for those organisations, regardless of who it is, what size it is, you know, please kind of, you know, get your staff to have a look at it. I, I'd offer some, you know, if they've used it for a few weeks, I'll offer you free insights for, for that month that they've used it, just to give you um, a, a kind of demo of the art of the possible and, and what you could do if you were then to kind of subscribe to it. Thanks for listening to Podcash. If you enjoyed it, please follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. You can also watch many of these conversations by heading over to cashalumni.org.uk and going to the CPD and best practice section of the site. That's cashalumni.org.uk. 